Welcome along then to another big match build-up show and happy to say this episode is sponsored by OneFootball. OneFootball is the excellent free app that brings you all the news, stats and live scores all in one place. If you haven't already, do make sure you check it out. Download it by clicking in the link in the description. So, Saints, we made it back-to-back wins in the sunshine on Saturday with a win at Brighton and certainly three points is going to help us a long way for our survival. Now, let's be fair, the game wasn't quite a classic, but a win nonetheless, and it gives us some newfound confidence, which we haven't felt in a long time. So up next for Saints then, under the Friday night lights, our favourite pantomime villains, Liverpool head to St. Mary's. Now on this week's show then, we're breathing space away from the bottom. We find our newfound confidence and we ask who's to say we can't get a result over the Reds. And as for the opposition then, I ask Liverpool fans where and how Saints can exploit their unbeknown weaknesses. It is very much a free hit for us. I think that there's, there's no pressure on us whatsoever. We're going to play the second best team in the league best defence in the league let's just have a go there's there's no reason why we can't go and pick something up if you want to win your best opportunity of winning if you're a passing side if you're a side that wants to try and dominate the ball is to go down the wings and ignore the middle of the park uh, as soon as you get into the middle of the park we look to try and press you quickly uh, Klopp's famously said over the years Gegen pressing is, is the best number 10 in the world as usual now, then the episode is available to download if you click on the card above my head if you're watching on YouTube or available on more audio platforms below the show. Of course, do let us know your pre-match predictions in the comments at any time. And before we kick off, you can still get yourself 10% off a singing Saint scarf courtesy of the 12th men by claiming the ugly inside one word in the discount code at your checkout. Head to the link below the show to get your hands on one of these. Now, time then to kick off our slightly early big match build-up show this week for the Friday Night Lights, Southampton versus Liverpool. So welcome along then to our first half of us Liverpool big match build-up show. Joining me once again, we haven't seen you for a while. We're trying to make things work, but we finally got you on the line. Editor of the Reed Southampton Network and, you know, famously on the TV a couple of weeks ago on the Premier League show uh, alongside Franny Benali and Gabby Logan. Luke Osman, really good to see you. How are you, mate? I'm doing really well, thank you, mate. How are you doing? Uh, much better, and uh, I suppose uh, you could say we're still feeling the uh, effects of a victory uh, yesterday down on the south coast. Yeah, we're not used to winning this many games, are we? That's, that's three <laughs> and four now. So um, no, it's, it's really pleasing. It's, it's good. It's good to have that that feel good factor back, and that owes to the manager and it owes to the players pulling together and working in the same direction. Yeah, and I suppose we'll take this first part of this, I suppose, part of the show to uh, to talk about the recent result. Uh, so many things to start with, you know, uh, an important three points ultimately. And three points that will go a long way to uh, to safety. Yeah, absolutely. I think Hasan Hootel said it before the game. He said this was a six pointer, and for us to come away and take you know take that win from it, take a clean sheet and a, a solid performance. It wasn't pretty, but it was a cagey affair. But ultimately, you need to win those scrappy games, and sometimes you need to win ugly, and that's what we did. Absolutely. And uh, actually, one of our chaps said that in our interview after the game. Yeah, uh, you know, on, on Saturday. I think it was Dan that actually mentioned that we have to, sometimes we have to play nasty to win as well. But for the most part, 
for the first half, quite dismal, not much, too much going on, but come straight out of the traps in the second half and firing on all cylinders. If we start with Hoiberg's goal, the, the high press, uh, there's two parts to this, I suppose, that the goal, the high press paid dividends. Yeah, no, it absolutely did. And that's, <clears throat> that's exactly the type of football that hasn't Hootel wants us to play. He wants us to go and win the ball in the opposition half and he wants us to then create quick, quick combination play after winning the ball in transition. And then obviously you need the players to execute it. Hoiberg's very good at anticipating the play and Redmond picked out the right pass. And it was a good goal. It was a really good goal, although it was somewhat fortuitous in the way that Brighton surrendered possession. You have to make those chances count. And we did. It was a really good pass, a really good finish. So happy days. Yeah, we were ruthless across the park yesterday. That's something that's obviously Ralph has installed into the team recently. And it was, a like you say, a nicely worked goal. Redmond advancing towards the edge of the box and... Plays a perfectly timed pass for Hoiberg. All he had to do was dink it over the keeper, laid on a plate, um, and you know Redmond Hoiberg exceptional uh, against Brighton. Yeah, no, exactly. And and those two players, I'd argue, have probably been two of our three best this season alongside Bednarek. It's been it's been good to see their development, and they've taken their game to the next level under Hasenhutel, and long may it continue. And I guess, you know, when the goal went in, it was quite early on in the second half as well. It's it, uh, sort of really kicked on the game, and, and Brighton actually sort of they thought like they had the impetus to go forward and, and push on. You know, they put a bit of pressure on us going forward and they hit the post from uh, from the edge of the box as well. But a lot of late pressure from Brighton. We stood firm on like sort of previous games this season. We actually avoided the inevitable late goal. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of the culture that hasn't Hootles instilled now. It's We're still nervous as Saints fans when we go 1-0 up. Probably more nervous at 1-0 than we are at 0-0. But it's nice to see that we can hold on, we can stand firm. What I liked yesterday was that Hasenhutl will show that tactical flexibility. See, when Jürgen Lacardia was brought on to accompany Glenn Murray up front, and that really helped because when Brighton went to up front, Hasenhutl reverted to a back five after starting with the back four. And this aided us. It's nice to have a manager who shows that flexibility, and it's nice to have a group of players who can adapt to different systems, and it benefits us. It benefits us going forward as we can be a bit more adaptable and we can adapt to in-game situations, whereas under the likes of Pellegrino and Mark Hughes, we were reactive and not proactive. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a slightly different, uh, you know, a system yesterday. We saw the four at the back, like you said. We stood strong, Bednarek and, and Yoshida, sort of, uh, you know, uh, neutralising the threat from uh, Brighton for the most part of yesterday's afternoon. And, you know, it's uh, it, was, it was terrific to see. And perhaps some of our doubts and some of our fears said that we didn't have enough height in the team, that uh, Vestergaard wasn't on the pitch. But we, uh, you know, absolutely proved them sort of wrong and, and stood firm and kept a clean sheet. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, Brighton were very, very poor. I have to say that. I think they showed no ambition, no intent going forward at all. But equally, we've struggled against teams who do that. We, we struggled to break them down and we struggled to sort of to match them and match the physicality. In the end, it was the intensity at which we played and in the pressing that helped us to win that game, you know, as we saw from the decisive goal. So it, it's the results against the likes of Brighton and the Fulhams that will help to pull us up the table and of course when you can if we can perhaps target bonus points against you know the likes of Spurs and the likes of Liverpool maybe on Friday happy days you know but they're the, they're the games that are going to really drag us up and they're the ones that are going to benefit us come the end of the season I mean if you look at the record as well it's 24 points from 16 games and over the season that'll be 57 points that would absolutely see us certainly challenging for the top seven and then you know for the last few seasons it's been enough to finish eighth or even higher in the last sort of four or five years it's it's been a it's been such a transformation and it just shows perhaps how bad Mark Hughes and Pellegrino were on average with Ravel Hasenhutl it's about one and a half points per game yeah exactly it's 
as you said quite rightly, it's a testament to how bad Hughes and Pellegrino were, but also how good Hazen Hootel is. It's easy easy to forget that we didn't sign anyone in January and, and we did ship out a, a fair few sort of senior players. And you look at the way he's brought the whole group together and you look at the football we're playing, the intensity at which we're playing at, and the way that the fans are now united with the team. And, you know, as you said, if we could push into that kind of like top seven, top eight, and maybe man- maintain the kind of the kind of form that we're showing towards the back end of this season, then we should all be really excited for the future under our manager because I think we're very lucky to have him and he's shown already that he has got more than enough capabilities to take this club forward. And as it stands, it's 33 points. Currently, you know, the, the Sunday morning as we're recording, Cardiff are yet to play, but obviously a difficult game for them this afternoon with Chelsea to play. Um, but uh, Brighton have also got Chelsea in midweek, so, you know, we could even sort of see ourselves perhaps... Should Brighton get a, a tonking sort of in midweek, uh, we could see ourselves above Brighton, and it gives us so much confidence going forward. And you know, we beat uh, Spurs a couple of weeks ago, and obviously this Friday, who's to say we can't put a dent in Liverpool's title attempt? Well, exactly. I think all of the top teams at the moment, maybe aside from Man City, they have their vulnerabilities, and I think you know it goes exactly the same for Cardiff and Brighton. I'm not sure I'm relying on Chelsea to pick up points at the moment because the way they're going, that they're very inconsistent. But with regards to the game against Liverpool, it is very much a free hit for us. I think that there's there's no pressure on us whatsoever. We're going to play the second best team in the league, the best defence in the league. Let's just have a go. There's, there's no reason why we can't go and pick something up. But we've got Danny Ings out because he's ineligible this match. It doesn't matter what happens as long as we can go there, take the game to them, give them a game and you know if we can get a point that's a fantastic result against a team of that calibre absolutely and of course there'll be pantomime villains all across uh, Liverpool's uh, you know first 11 on the pitch on Friday night as well it's gonna, I think it's going to be a good atmosphere you know, it's a sellout there's probably going to be a bit of fanfare and fireworks for a Friday night TV coverage and you know Tottenham they came and expressed themselves and we caught them out so Liverpool I guess they're going to do much the same a very attacking side with huge obviously huge uh, talent up top but they do have the vulnerabilities, you know, going forward across the wings. Yeah, I think in general, Liverpool are an extremely well-rounded side. And, you know, as we said, they boast the best defensive record sort of in the league, I believe. And they they are, they have very few weak points, but you never know with them. There can be the individual error and they do surrender chances despite their defensive qualities. So it's up to us now to take those chances and to make sure that we're putting them under the cosh and ensuring that we don't leave Salah Mane and Firmino isolated because the way Sadio Mane is playing at the moment, I think it's something like 11 goals in 11 games. And mm-hmm. we, we know what he's capable of. We always have. But it's going to be very, very tricky to keep a clean sheet in this game. And I think it's going to be a really tight one. But who's to say we can't go and beat them? We've just beaten sort of Arsenal and Tottenham and no one expected us to. So why not bring it on? Absolutely. So great to speak to you then, Luke. Uh, you know, you're on Twitter and uh, obviously on the Reed Southampton Network, but just to sort of remind some of us where we where we can sort of follow you on the uh, on the internet. Yeah, so my Twitter username is at Luke Osman RS and you can find uh, the bulk of my work over on ReedSouthampton.com. I also write feature articles based around European football for breaking the lines. Um, so yeah, just sort of mainly mainly on Twitter. Excellent stuff. Keep up the good work, mate. Positivity. And uh, we'll speak again very soon. Cheers for having me, mate. Thank you. Thanks again then to Luke. Great stuff as always. Do make sure you give him 
uh, uh, follow over on Twitter and check out his articles over on readsouthampton.com. Doing a great job over there. But before we do get to our opposition, usually this is the part of the show where I tell you about engineering works, rail replacements, but I am delighted to announce that there are no scheduled rail replacements or otherwise this weekend or for Friday's game. So I guess from that perspective, this Friday night game is welcomed. I don't know. There you go then. But do let us know your predictions for Friday. Is this a free hit? Like Luke mentioned, can we go out there without any pressure? Pressure, though, on the other hand, is all on Liverpool. They expect the result. So join us for our second half as I pick the brains of the Red Men. Will Van Dyke be fit? Where are their weaknesses? And I try to poke fun at almost every other Premier League fan wanting anyone but Liverpool to win the title. So welcome along then to our second half of this big match Friday night game. So on the line, who better to ask than all about the Reds? Top in the top of the table as we speak, Chris from the Red Men TV. How are you, mate? I'm all right, well, I'm I'm kind of nervous and excited and all kind of mad emotions. This title race is killing me off, to be honest with you. I, I don't think I was emotionally ready for it. It's been tough going at times, like, but it's been an incredibly enjoyable season so far. And I guess we can get into, I suppose, a bit more of the nitty-gritty in a little while. But uh, I suppose last time we spoke uh, all the way back in September... You know, the sixth game of the season then, six games to play. It's funny how sort of Premier League fixtures, they reverse themselves like that. And it's almost exactly the same this time around, as, but uh, very much uh, the business end. And how are you feeling ahead of the uh, running? And just, it's it's mad. Like, I mean, obviously everyone will know it was such a big result for Liverpool at the weekend, being in the cop where my ticket is and stuff and just feeling that emotion and that sort of joy and just seeing just limbs and joy everywhere. It was, it was insane. Like, but it's been our graft at times this, like, I mean, I didn't think Liverpool's squad was good enough at the start of the season to really challenge for the Premier League, if I'm honest. Um, I thought we'd probably do better in European competition. thought we were still a bit more of a counter-attacking side. I probably said that as, as or something similar last time we spoke. But, you know, Jürgen Klopp changed the style of play. We went to that 4-2-3-1. We started to gain control of games and we stopped relying so heavily on our counter-attacking football. We started to rely on a defence built on Virgil van Dijk. Um, and we've become, you know, a very a grown-up side. And I think at times over the last two years, we probably haven't been that. We've been a little bit sort of, you know, we'll try and score more goals than you. And you can think back to that 13, 14, Sandra and Rodgers, of course, but also under Jürgen Klopp. So to see us have a side built on defence is quite strange for us. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a change, but ultimately it's been unbelievable to watch this side evolve into what they are today. And it's, it's almost every other weekend that's a you and Man City are leapfrogging. And, you know, it's two points at the moment as well. But like I say, you've got talent all across the pitch you know, we were just saying off air, there's a huge gulf between the top of the table and the bottom of the table now. But over the last few seasons, you've looked off the pace, not even interested, you know, conceding way too many goals. But I suppose this season, the addition of Alisson, who has the you know most amount of clean sheets in the league this season, of course, led by Van Dijk too. And the real emergence of your two fullbacks, Andrew Robertson and uh, Alexander-Arnold. So where do your weaknesses lie? I don't know, is the honest answer. Um, I think there is... 
there are ways to sort of play against Liverpool, but even if you know the sort of blueprint, as it were, to play against Liverpool, that's not, you're not necessarily going to get a result against us. I think, you know, if you want to win, your best opportunity of winning, if you're a passing side, if you're a side that wants to try and dominate the ball, is to go down the wings and ignore the middle of the park. Uh, as soon as you get into the middle of the park, we look to try and press you quickly. Uh, Klopp famously said over the years, Gegen pressing is, is the best number 10 in the world. Um, Pep Guardiola when we went to Man City this year sort of put the blueprint out and he just ignored the centre of the park Bayern Munich tried that at Anfield actually we saw it the weekend Tottenham built up around the sides they, you know, I was having a look at their past maps against you guys uh, from when you beat them was it 2-1 the other week uh, when Valerie and Ward-Prowse scored <clears throat> And they played through the centre against you. And against us, they ignored that. They went down the left with Rose and right with Sipia. So I think if, you, if you're if you a possession side, that's the way to do it. Obviously, you can hit us on the counter-attackers or attacking sides. But, but, you know, for as much as we play with our full-backs really high up the pitch, it's not easy to counter-attack on us, you know. Everyone will, everyone will say, shut up, Chris. You know, look at that one where Virgil van Dijk's 2-1-1 the other day. That happens during games of football. You know, counter-attacks are on. But um, I think it's the... The industrious nature of our midfield in the big games anyway, when you have like James Milner, Jeannie Wijnaldum, Jordan Henderson, they are slightly playing within themselves to afford the fullbacks to be able to bomb on up the pitch. And I think there's a sort of symbiotic relationship at times between the midfield and the defence. Of course there is. You play in a team sport, um, but we're not bombing midfields on. You know, we're not getting loads of assists, but we've got 14 assists from our fullbacks. So it's something that's working, you know what I mean? And that's a strength uh, and uh, the weakness people will perceive our midfield not getting goals and assists as a weakness. I'm not sure it is. Well, I mean, you could even say your goalkeeper, despite having the most amount of clean sheets, he's not unbeatable. He's often erratic as well. We've seen a lot of these, you know, goalkeepers emerge now in the last few seasons, ball playing goalkeepers as well. But you only just about squeeze past Tottenham with a helping hand that has to be uh, said about from Hugo Lloris and set you back to the top of the table. Uh, obviously, Man City play on Wednesday as well, but uh, three points against, a, a, you know, a, a title pushing. Well, they're completely out of the title race, in my opinion, but uh, important three points for you as well. But recently, you've also seen, of course, a man that we know too much about, Sadio Mane, really stepping out of Salah's uh, shadow recently. I mean, Salah's going through one of the dry spells in a red shirt. What do you what do you suppose you put those two down to at the moment? Which one are we talking about here, Mane and Salah? Start with Salah first. Kind of like what I was saying about the midfield and the defence, to be honest. I think, you know, it's very easy to look and, at match of the day and, you know, to read what, what journalists are writing about Mo Salah. I think his performances haven't been bad. He hasn't got a shooting boots on, don't get me wrong. He's missing opportunities that we saw him take last season, but felt... I felt like last season was a purple patch for him. You know, you just have it sometimes where strikers, everything they touch goes in and they're playing at like that level of confidence where they just believe that everything they're doing is going in. I've had it once in my life in five a side for about <laughs> 60 minutes where everything I touched went in and it was fantastic. Mo had it for a frigging year in the Premier League, you know what I mean? And, and more than that, he said it himself after the Tottenham game, Freddie, you know, people are talking about him having the worst season of his life. Sergio Aguero's having a scored two goals more than him and people are talking about him having the best season of his career and it's a bloody incredible career Sergio Aguero's had. So 
I don't buy into the narrative that he's not playing well. He is playing well, and he's also creating space for some of his side partners, Alessandro Mane. Every time Salah picks the ball up, he's got two, three men wading in at him, trying to make sure he doesn't cut back on that left foot. What it does is it frees up space for Mane, and Mane's in a proper purple patch now where everything he seems to it seems to be going in, and he's playing at a level we've not seen since he's been at Liverpool. You know, this is above and beyond what I thought was possible for Sadio, because as unbelievable as I think he is, he was wasteful in front of goal. It's, it's all, he's always been one of those instinctive players where, the, and you'll know this, when the ball lands at his feet, he doesn't have to think. He top bins it. Mm. But when he has loads of time, he tends to just, I don't know what happens, but he tends to stall. At the moment, everything he's touching is turning into goals. Like So I think, again, it's it's all part and parcel of the same mechanic as we attack as a team. It's the, it's the instinctive nature, I suppose, from Sadio Mane. When he has too much time, you could say he overthinks it as well. But, you know, obviously over the years, there's been plenty of, um, you know, players gone from the south to the northwest to the Anfield. But, and there will, will, there will be pantomime villains on the pitch again uh, on Friday night. But we're crossing our fingers and toes that uh, one certain Dutch defender will be not will be uh, uh, ruled out. He he was sporting a, an ice pack on his ankle. I hear after the Tottenham game. What updates do you know? Hopefully, tell us he's not going to be fit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to tell you that. I think he's going to be okay. To be honest with you, <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. said he thinks he's going to be okay. Um, that's the rumour that's flying around at the moment. Obviously, that you know the big thing is we've got Porto next week in the Champions League quarter final, and we've got another game upcoming straight after that. So, if there is a a risk of him aggravating that or making it worse, he's on Lovren's fit and he's on the sidelines. Another player that you guys know so well, the greatest um, defender in the world, right? <laughs> I think if you were to believe him, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure many people believe Dejan Lovren <laughs> when he says this, if I'm honest. I like the, I like that he's got a lot of confidence. I actually like him as a defender. I think he's a good player, to be honest with you. I think he gets some unfair criticism at times. He makes fucking bonehead mistakes, don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, once every 50 games, about at the moment anyway, and he shouts his mouth off and it always seems to come back and bite him on the arse. I don't like that about him, but it's funny, isn't it, though? Like, I always think about it, like, what, what got a professional footballer to where he is it is having that probably a little bit of belief in yourself and that cockiness to stand out above the crowd it's mad to think that now you're calling him down for saying that whereas that's probably how he got to where he is in his career anyway he's playing at the top level he's playing in World Cup finals he's playing in Champions League finals he clearly is one of the best defenders in the world he might not be top five but he's up there he's top 20 you know what I mean it's not that it's not mad to think that he thinks he's a good player and yet we all seem to think it's bad. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, mm. Lovren hasn't played for a few weeks. Matip's been playing really well. I think Van Dijk will play, but there's no need to risk him. Okay, well, I'm sure Sky Sports and the BBC Sport are going to be all over this at the, uh, on Friday as well. They're going to bill it as the Alpine Klopp, Ralph Hasenhutl against, uh, I suppose, his, uh, his teacher, his maestro, if you like. I mean, Saints will be picked up some form recently, you know, obviously turning over Spurs and, and Arsenal recently under house at Hudson Hotel. Um, what, what have you seen of our man recently? Could this be a real potential banana skin for, and um, what's your uh, pre-match prediction? Yeah, I think, listen, it's it mad because I kind of forgot this until uh, this season. I'd, I'd forgotten it from 13-14, but you play teams that are at the, at the business end of the league, either end, top or bottom, and the hard games, you'd much rather be playing someone who's 12th 
and not fighting for anything. And that's the thing at the moment, you know, we're, you know, we're obviously coming down to Southampton, it's your home ground, you've had that little bit of a turn and form, beating Brighton, beating Spurs. And you know what? It's a dangerous place to go to. It's always it's always a tough place to go to. We've not been brilliant against Hughes over the last three years. I know you've had different managers and stuff, but we've not been brilliant. You know, we had those that four game season when you beat us in the semi final of the League Cup, where we didn't score a goal against mm-hmm. you in four games. So it is going to be a tough g- a game for Liverpool, and I-, I think Liverpool will drop points between now and the end of the season. I hope that Manchester City, and I think Manchester City will drop points as well. I just hope it's not this game. And look, there's also, obviously, you guys are front and centre, obviously, as Liverpool at the top of the table. But obviously, there was this big sort of, I suppose, if you like, a survey for every other fan around the uh, the Premier League. Well, what do you make of everybody wanting anyone but Liverpool to win the league? Does it make you more determined to, to even get that just a little bit more? Yeah, I think it does. I think, listen, it doesn't really ask me what other people think of my <laughs> football club. Um, I'm sure they don't give a shit what I think about theirs either, to be fair. Like, it baffles me slightly. Um, I don't really understand. I think, you know, people would go on and you see it on Twitter all the time. They'd be unbearable. Yeah, I think so. I think every fan base <laughs> would probably be a little bit unbearable at times if you've won the league. I'm sure Leicester fans are unbearable if there's so many of them on Twitter. I'm not sure. But I think, you know, for me... I look at it and, and I said this to Flav actually last week on, on a collab with him before the Tottenham game. I think why Flav didn't want it is because we'll have shown that you can do it. And then we're almost saying to Tottenham Hotspur, the Tottenham Hotspurs of this world that you, you stop using the money as an excuse. If you invest wisely, if you get the right man in, if you buy the right players, you can go and challenge the dominance of someone who's spending a billion pounds to, to get a team together and stuff. And I think that's why a lot of fans don't want it because it'll open, they'll have to look around at themselves and go, shit, yeah, we could have done this. You know what I mean? We should have probably done it a little bit like Liverpool. And listen, people will say, listen, you've spent big. Well, I'll tell you this, we spent 75 million pounds on a defender from you. We spent eight and a half million pounds on a left back. The other, the right back we brought in through the, you know, through the ranks and we brought Matip in on a free. So our defence as it stands, uh, 80, what's that? Three and a half million, mm-hmm. 75 of which was on Virgil van Dijk. It's hardly spending up 200 million on your full backs and whatnot, is it? So yes, we've spent big, uh, but we've also shopped shrewdly. Okay, well, great to speak to you, Chris. Um, I'm sure we will speak again next season, but I'm not going to wish you all the best for Friday, but uh uh, all the best, uh, I suppose, away from Friday, mate. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks, mate. And I uh, genuinely hope we do get to talk next season, mate. Thanks again then to Chris from the Red Men TV, a, a great sport. And of course, uh, if you want to check out all things Liverpool, do head over and subscribe to their channels for all of your Liverpool content and do find out what I've got to say Um, heading into the game as well in the reverse video on their show too anyway there you go then that does pretty much wrap up this week's match build up show do let us know how you think Saints will do this Friday how do you think we should approach it can we play without fear and who knows we may well even have a huge influence on this season's title race so thank you very much for watching and listening along only one thing left from me is come on you Saints (laughs) 